Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, that all shall be renewed, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. Well, friends, I don't know about you, but I am excited. Uh, It is wonderful and a joy and privilege for me to be able to come here and to confirm uh, the candidates who come here tonight. Uh, It is a reminder, just listening to the testimonies of Smarak and King, of Rebecca and Ali, of the global nature of the church of which we are part of the body of Christ that stretches across the globe and down through the ages. It is a joy and a privilege for me to be able to stand with them uh, to confirm those four and the 32 others that will be here tonight as together they declare their faith in Christ. Almost 10 years ago now, Back in 2013, uh, just over 10 years, uh, Justin Welby took up his role as Archbishop of Canterbury. Just before he was consecrated, he spent an away day with his staff where he was asked if he had to explain the gospel in its simplest form, if he had to reduce it to one sentence, to one proposition, What would it be? How would he do it? After lots of toing and froing, he settled on this single sentence. I believe there is nothing better that you can do with your life than to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe there is nothing better you can do with your life than to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Our confirmation candidates today will stand before you having taken that decision. Not only having taken the decision to follow Jesus, which they would have done at their baptism, but to say it is that decision that makes all the difference. By being confirmed tonight, They are affirming the words of John Henry Newman, who wrote, I am created to do something or to be something for which no one else is created. I have a place in God's plans, in God's world, which no one else has. God knows me and calls me by name. And whilst it is true that there is nothing better that you can do with your life than become a follower of Jesus, my friends, this does not mean that following Jesus will be easy. It does not mean 
that we will not still encounter and go through and navigate the storms of life. We will do so, but do so knowing that we do so with Christ. But that decision to follow Christ, to publicly acknowledge him, to declare him Lord, there are times, there are places where that decision will invite trouble. When publicly stating that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour invites ridicule, challenge, or even persecution or imprisonment. I remember as a teenager sitting in church one Sunday morning, being very struck by a preacher's question, which stayed with me long after he had sat down. The question was this, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I recall spending that day, and particularly that evening, being very worried by that question. I was reflecting on my lifestyle and concluding that if I found myself in that position, the chances of a guilty verdict would be very slim indeed. Many years later, I came across a modern-day parable based on that same question, written by the Northern Irish theologian Pete Rollins. In the parable that he tells, a man is on trial in court for being a Christian. He's charged with following Jesus and of being an enemy of the state. The man sits in the dock, full of fear and foreboding, as the court is presented with evidence of his committed church going, his playlist of worship songs on his phone, his well-worn Bible, his prayer journal, all are presented to the court as evidence of his faith and of his commitment to follow Jesus. It is only when the judge gives his verdict and dismisses the charges against the man that the Christian's demeanour changes from fear to outrage. What do you mean, not guilty? How can the evidence be ignored? My faith is real, he says. My belief is earnest. How can you, as a judge, dismiss it and fail to see? I demand an explanation, he says. The judge's response is both chilling and final. The court is indifferent towards your Bible reading and church attendance, the judge says. It has no concern for worship with words and a pen. Continue to develop your theology and use it to paint pictures of love. We have no interest in such armchair artists. We exist only for those who would lay down that brush and their life in a Christ-like endeavour. So until you live 
as Christ and his followers until you challenge this system and become a thorn in our side, until you die to yourself and offer your body to the flames. Until then, my friend, you are no enemy of ours. That parable naturally leads to questions for each of us, not least that original question. If I were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? Does my following of Jesus, my discipleship, my commitment to him, make me an enemy of those who favour injustice, who would exploit and oppress the weak and the poor, who would oppose the building of the kingdom of God, or even its very proclamation? I spoke at the start that we are a global body, a body of Christian women and men that spans across the world. And there are many of our sisters and brothers who this night are imprisoned for their faith. People who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Li Haiping in China stands for me in India, Leah Sharabu in Nigeria. Last year, in 2022, the organization Open World published research suggesting that Iran was the fastest growing church in the world. Months earlier, The Economist magazine reported the experience of an Iranian cleric, Father Mansour, who led services in homes across the country where he delivered his sermons in code. He had to, he said, for fear of persecution. In those sermons, Jesus was called Jamshid. Songs of praise were led in silence, being lip-synced because they couldn't afford to worship out loud. Christianity in Iran, the magazine said, has all the excitement of the persecuted early church. But with that comes the persecution. One of those spearheading the revival in Iran, in Iran has been Pastor Yusuf Nadakani, whose picture we have here. Born in April 1977 to Muslim parents, Though not religious as a child, he converted to Christianity at 19 and now runs a house church of over 800 members. Yusuf Nadakani was first taken into custody in December 2006 on the charges of apostasy from Islam and evangelism to Muslims. Having been released without charge, he was subsequently rearrested in 2010 and sentenced to death. Over the following two years, his case made its way through various appeals, which included the opportunity for Yusuf Nadkani to be released if he decided 
to renounce his faith. He refused. Repent means to return, he said. How can I repent of Jesus? What should I return to? The judges replied, to the religion of your ancestors. To which he replied, I cannot. I have found Jesus. Pastor Nadakani was eventually released and returned to his work preaching the gospel. But in July 2018, he was again arrested and sentenced to 10 years imprisonment for acting against national security and promoting Christianity. Following a retrial in May 2020, his sentence was reduced to a mere six years in prison. And then earlier this year, nine months ago, in February 2023, he was released as part of an amnesty to mark the 44th anniversary of the 1979 Islamic Revolution. On his release from prison, Yusuf Nadakani wrote a public letter as a testimony, he said, to express my gratitude. I want to read part of his letter to you. He wrote this. Oh, how kind and loving is our God, because he showed me how to believe in him and be filled with the love of Jesus Christ and gain strength to serve him. So I say, as long as I live, glory and honour to God, who is the King of all ages. As a soldier and humble servant of Jesus Christ, I consider everything that I have experienced during my days of service, my imprisonment, my torture, as a small part in sharing in the labour and suffering of Christ. By faith, I share in his suffering, so that according to his words, I will also share in his joys. Today, I am extremely happy, and I rejoice because I experience the fulfilment of God's promise, according to my trust in him. He saved me from enduring a long imprisonment, 10 years of imprisonment, and then two years of exile, just as he had previously delivered me from the death sentence. I know these things happen to me because I want to live according to God's will. Therefore, I ask him to help me continuously so that I can be loyal to him and endure everything, to be steadfast in all circumstances and to show by the way that I live that I look forward to his return. Glory be to God, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. In his life and faith, Yusuf Nadakani reminds us of the words that we heard from 1 Peter this evening. The Apostle Peter was writing to churches full of people who had taken that decision to follow Jesus 
and who were now facing persecution as a result. Peter instructs them, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing, the apostle writes. And he goes on, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. And then he goes on to say to them, as he says to us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the hope that you have within you. Always be prepared to answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is within you. That ability to speak of our faith, to give the reason for the hope within us, to be able to give and share our testimony, just as we heard this evening, can be something that not only brings glory to God in its telling, but also has the capacity to inspire others as we testify to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because, friends, there is one thing when you speak of your faith that people cannot argue with. We could discuss philosophical proofs of God. We could discuss science and faith, evolution. We could discuss God and suffering. There are arguments that people will have in all of these. But the one thing people cannot argue with is your story. The story of how it is that you came to know Jesus Christ. The story of how it is he worked in your life. Just as we have heard Pastor Nadakani's story and testimony of the way God has been working in his life. Through our testimonies, we can speak not only of what it is to follow Jesus, but what it is to have him alongside us. Not only in the good times in life, but also through hardship and challenge. The journey of the first disciples began with an invitation from Jesus to follow me. Follow me, says Jesus, without the promise of an easy path ahead, but with the assurance that he will equip you for all that's to come. Follow me, says Jesus, with the faith that whatever failures we may encounter on the journey ahead, they are not to be feared, but they will root us in humility and return us time and again to him who is able to do all things. Follow me, says Jesus. Because, my friends, in the end, there is nothing better 
that you can do with your life than to say, yes, Lord, I will follow. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.